name is Chris Voss, and I was just on the Ryan Holtz show. Oh, uh, hey, welcome to another episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Listen, we have an absolute treat. If it wasn't for you, our listeners, our audience, we would not be one of the best shows in the world, bringing you the, some of the best guests. But listen, we never split the difference. We have one of the most incredible human beings on the planet, Smooth. His name is Chris Voss, former lead FBI hostage negotiator, author of one of the most incredible books, um, amazing speaker. We're going to get all kinds of things. Chris, welcome home. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Chris, I want to I want to open up by just saying, listen, I, I think the most expensive thing we are paying for is what we don't know. The biggest debt we pay for this is ignorance. What would you say to that? Yeah, well, you know, there's an awful as um, I agree completely. And at the same time, it's hard to know everything. So uh, curiosity ends up being a superpower that gets us through in the meantime. You said this quote and you said it's not a sin to not get the deal. It is a sin to take long, a long time to not get the deal and i think and i watched this interview that you did and i i you know that statement alone i feel is philosophical and can almost go through almost all of life meaning you know how long are we staying in relationships personally that maybe we should get out of how long are we in business partnerships that maybe we should have turfed a long time ago can you unpack that statement because i feel like when i read this book that statement really encompasses what's going on in here yeah, really true. And, you know, it's kind of a two-way street on that. A, a friend of mine, Joe Polish, runs an outfit called Genius Network. Mm. He says, you know, there's two kinds of people that you could deal with, elf and half. Elf is easy, lucrative, and fun. And half is hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. And he says, you know, cut the halves out of your life um, and deal with the elves because the halves are standing in the way of the elves. So, you know, point of fact, and that being a two-way street, I mean, somebody that you're having trouble with is holding you back. It's taking you a long time to get the deal with, you know, because they're annoying, lame, or frustrating. The reality is you might be annoying, lame, and frustrating for them, too. So you're actually probably doing them a favor by clearing them out of your life, you know, let them move on to somebody that's a better fit for them, just like somebody else is a better fit for you and in a point of fact the people that are creating all this friction in your business relationships and your business deals it's hard to mm. get a deal with somebody mm. they're standing in the way of the people that you could be interacting with you know mm. there, there isn't there isn't this big gap behind them there's actually a lot of people behind them that are great matches for you that they're obscuring so if in relationship or uh you know, a business relationship, personal relationship, if it's really annoying, lame and frustrating, and it's taking you a long time to get to where you want to go, it ain't your fault. It's mm. probably just a bad match. You know, that's, mm. it's nobody's fault. Mm. It's just a bad match. You know, I, I got asked on a podcast a long time ago, you know, are you divorced? You know, <laughs> if you're divorced, how come, how could you be such a great <laughs> negotiator? Yes. And, and the reality was, you know, we were, we were just, we were a bad match ultimately, mm, you know, mm. she had different values than I did. There was nothing wrong with her values. Mm. It just wasn't a great fit. Mm. And so it's no bad on either side. If you're not a great match, um, you know, so, you know, release them into the wild. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think we live in a world where I, I call you a 10 gallon person, meaning you, you you're, you're big, you, you have a lot of energy. You have this insatiable curiosity. 
everything in your story is all about learning. Like you're yeah. one, one thing I don't think people touch on a lot about you. I, I, well, maybe a couple have it, that I've watched, but they don't touch on how much you love to learn oh, and yeah, how really freaking curious you are. Like you are, you're like this child in a man's body. That's just, you're just taking it all in. Can you speak to your just innate ability for consistently wanting to learn? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, I don't know where, I think I always liked to read. I remember, I remember mm. when I was a kid and you know, I read comic books You know, I remember in elementary school being in um, uh, the book club, you know, the weekly book club, you know, my parents would actually limit how many books I could order. I, I cause I think they were worried that, you know, I'd order a bunch of books and not read them, mm. but I always loved to read and, I, and I'm seeing that show up on a consistent basis. Mm. Like it is so much fun. There's so much cool stuff to learn. I did. Mm. Uh, I interviewed Mark Cuban mm. just a couple of days ago on mm. on uh, this interactive uh, subscription service that we run called uh, Fireside. It's an interactive mm. podcast. Mm. Yes. So you know, I get a chance. It's brand. It's a brand new app. It's really, really cool. Is this similar to Clubhouse at all, or, or a little different? I haven't really touched into the Fireside much yet. Uh, I I would say that uh, take uh, take Clubhouse. Yeah. And add in everything that you would want. You know, okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Interactive, yeah. Vi put put video on it. Got it. And a Got bunch it. of other stuff, you know, because I think um, both Mark and uh, Fallon Fatimi, the the um, founders of it, saw Clubhouse and, and and thought about, well, what are its shortcomings? What what about this doesn't work for us? Mm. You know, let's build the next generation. And mm. you know, since he's a founder and I'm on it, I got a chance to interview him. And of course, the people that are watching, you know, they got a chance to ask him questions directly themselves. Huge. But Mark and I got onto this topic of learning, mm. and you know, uh, he's just an example. Like I, I remember him saying, "I think the dude reads five hours a day." Jeez. You know, you yes. want to really take your life to the next level. You got to you got to soak up the good stuff. Yes. You know, the stuff that that gives you perspective and insight. Yes. And so, yeah, I love it. I mean, and I'm turned on to most of the people that, that are advancing the knowledge of the human race, if you will. Yes. Yes. It, so I really want to like, I want to use this interview for a little bit different because I want to take what you've done and really put it into micro situations in life. And I own we own a business and we do all that stuff. But what do we do when we are interacting with people who we say, look, we are way more emotionally intelligent. If we look at the brain, right? Amygdala emotion, right? Prefrontal cortex decision making. We can agree that most people we run into, a lot of them, they're not self-aware. They're just kind of existing. And so when you say the words tactical empathy, how could you educate our listeners to, I guess, be a little more patient with the people they're dealing with, but also understand where those people are coming from in order to deploy some of these tactics of negotiating. You know, you talk about labels, mirroring, no oriented questions. These things are incredible, but where do we find the patience to deploy these when we know we're dealing with people that maybe they're just not awake right now? Yeah, sorry, I'm, and I'm trying to shut off these, I'm trying to <laughs> shut off these, these dings. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I got you. It might I, be I me. Wish... I, I was dinging you, so it might be me. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> This keeps showing up on my computer. And I haven't figured out how to show the alerts up. All right, so I mean, self-awareness. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, you know, there's 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 a bit of a virtual circle. It's something called uh, negative emotion uh, differentiation or net. Mm. You know, the more <laughs> synonyms you can think of for the negative emotions that you see in other people, 
that helps you, it increases your emotional intelligence. Mm. And it also starts to lead to your own self-awareness. Mm. Um, so, you know, how many different synonyms can you think of for angry or mild anger, mm. like concern, anxiety is a yes. form of anger, yes. you know, apprehension. Uh, when, when, when Joe talked about, Joe Polish talked about hard, annoying, lame and frustrating. I remember thinking, all right, so each one of those is a different negative emotion. Mm. You know, what's it a result of? Mm. And we started to break it out because we wanted to make the advice, the strategy operational. Like, for mm. example, if you're frustrated, mm. that's about being held back from a goal in the future. It's a future oriented mm. negative emotion. Mm. If you're um, annoyed, mm. it's something that's already happened. So that's a mm. past oriented negative mm. emotion. Mm. So when you start to think about these things and you start seeing it in others, then lo and behold, suddenly like, all right, so these are the things that I'm feeling. And these are mm. the things that I'm, uh, because if I'm, if I'm frustrated, it's about I'm being denied a gold in the future. Mm. I can reorient my thinking. If I'm, if I'm annoyed, it's something that's happened to me in the past. Anger is about something that's happened mm -hmm. to you. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, to listen, hear a, a sort of a private conversation that, that uh, from Brene Brown. It's the first time I'd mm. ever heard her talk, mm. first time I'd ever heard her uh, uh, being involved at all in anything. Mm. And next thing I know, I'm in, in a room with her and she's giving a, you know, an intimate private conversation. And she said that um, self-actualization requires self-awareness first. Mm. So if 100%. you become, if you tr work on becoming self-aware, yeah, then the next step to making yourself better, smarter, faster, mm. flows a lot easier. You gotta, you gotta get, kind of be aware of what's going on in your own cranium between your own ears if you mm. want to prove uh, how you impact in the world, how you live in your life, how much you enjoy in your life. I th I think that's uh, it's it's remarkable Sh framing the question. You know, a lot of people. I mean, maybe even majority still. It, it, anybody who hasn't read this book, you know, they still ask a lot of questions with the goal of getting to yes. And you talk about uh, counterfeit yes all the time, right? And right, people right. just kind of give you a yes to fluff you off, shut you up, and get you out the door. But you said, look, change those questions to no oriented questions. Listen, I mean, you need to send me, you got to have your team send me an invoice after this call. I think I've made a lot of dough off of really I, I starting so. to get to these no-oriented so. questions yeah. um, because they're really powerful because you're trying to get to where this person is in, in their thought process. Can you speak to, you know, labels, it seems like, looks like, and then no-oriented questions and why you use these as tactics? Yeah, and these are perfectly complementary. Mm. I mean... Um, if you use one without the other, you're kind of rolling with one or, mm. and you got to be careful that you don't run in circles a little bit. Yes. You know, so no oriented questions are great at triggering decision mm. and triggering um, implementation thought process. Mm. You know, have you got a few minutes to talk? Should be, is now a bad time to talk. Mm. Yes. So when uh, the no becomes safety and security, and what happens is, when you ask that question, uh, and that's only one example of switching from yes to no, the other person will either say, no, 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 no. It's not a bad time at all. And they'll be instantly focused. Or if it is a bad time, they'll say, it, it is a bad time. This is when I can talk. That's implementation. Mm -hmm. You've triggered a decision as to when they're going to talk to you. They've decided 
when they're going to talk to you, either now or at a specific date in the future, and they're going to implement if they can't do it right now. Mm. And so that's what the no oriented question does. Is this a bad idea? Are you against? Is it ridiculous? Uh, instead of are you in favor of? Is this a good idea? Um, you know, they can all be switched. But mm. understand uh, the immense power there. Mm. And also its limitation. It's triggering a decision and potential implementation. That's not about listening. Mm. That's where the labels come. In. Yes. Now you don't label the person. <laughs> yeah. You label the emotion. Yes. You know, you label the dynamic of the moment. Yes. You could even attach an emotion to an anger, to uh, to an action. You know, that was an angry thing. To, it seems like that was an angry thing to do. It seems mm. like hanging up on them was an angry thing to do. Mm. You know, it's equivalent of the advice that we got a long time ago, se separate the person from the emotion. Mm. Well, start, you know, you're not really separating them. You're just choosing what you can observe. Mm. You know, seems like you're a jerk. That's labeling the person. <laughs> seems like yeah. you're narrow minded. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, it's late. You know, it's, it's calling a name in the guise yes. of a label. Yes. But it seems like you have a reason for saying that. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's a whole different kind of label. Sure. Labeling really dials you in. Labeling mm. gives you insight. You know, mm. One of my favorite examples of phenomenal insight that come from a succession of labels, and usually it's like the second or third label where you get some real insight. Mm. A friend of mine here in Las Vegas is uh, the assistant uh, sheriff, mm. uh, Sasha Larkin. She's mm. walking around, management by walking around, <laughs> which needs to be done in any bureaucracy. It's very helpful. Yep. She's walking around a jail because uh, the sheriff runs a jail. Uh, mm. You know, county jail is always a sheriff, whatever mm. county you're in. And she wants to know her from her employees, how could she make their lives better? You know, mm. how, how, how do we value more? Mm. And she's hearing consistently that they, of all things, they want to apply toilet paper. And, you know, <laughs> and what, what I love about this is this is the reason why you should walk around and start feeling people out because nobody's ever going to put that on paper. Yeah. And no leader in, in a leadership meeting is ever going to say, you know what? I got a brilliant idea. Let's give our employees better toilet paper. Like no, no, no manager's ever going to say that. Yeah. But she's walking around. She said, it, it seems like the fact that you guys don't have two-ply toilet paper seems like that makes you feel unappreciated bang hit 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 some mark hit some mm. mark mm. and then she's thinking because they give single-ply toilet paper to the inmates everybody's sharing the same toilet paper in a jail mm. and she says to him it seems like the fact that we give you the same toilet paper as the inmates we're equating you to the inmates Ooh. like bang that's an Ooh. insight Ooh. And that that like that was a home run. Now that that's her second observation, verbal label of the dynamic, not the first. Mm. You know, once you start labeling, <clears throat> the other side loves it. Mm. You know, it makes them feel heard. It triggers rapport, but it makes you think. You know, it's yes. a it's a version of reasoning and analysis. Mm. And I've seen time after time the real breakthroughs has come through the second or third label. Mm. Now, again, and, and I think about this, mm. the sheriff is never going to give a manager, you know, an innovation award <laughs> for giving their employees better toilet paper. And, and again, if they'd have been brainstorming in a management meeting, 
if anybody would have suggested that they'd have laughed them out of the room in point mm. of fact it becomes mm. one of the most insightful breakthroughs in a communication and mm. so the the obvious stuff is always not so obvious the simplest stuff that has the greatest impact the, the black swans the mm. tiny little things that make the biggest difference to the other side that was a negotiation mm. and she's out there she's just listening and labeling and bang she hits it on the second label that ain't a no oriented question an oriented question is triggering decision labeling is you making you smarter in the moment mm. by actually listening you think it's a form of seduction in a way <laughs> you know let's be it, honest it, right i think well there's a lot of these communication skills that have a tendency to overlap yes. you know what's the difference between seduction and romance Mm, you know where oof, where where you oof. going with it, right? You're talking to me, Chris. You're talking to me. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you're but, right. I mean, there's yeah. a form of seduction in all this, right? And I mean, probably is. Well, and, and you look at the wordplay, right? It's it's because I've literally deplo deployed these tactically without trying to sound like a robot. And as you know, yeah. you said, look, the first time you start using some of this, it's going to not be as you know normal to nature, so to speak. But once you start kind of getting into that rhythm, it sounds, you know, but you really got to start listening. And then you're like, oh, my God, this works, because I find even in business or personal for me, I'm just trying to get somebody to really understand from their perspective where they're at, where the obstacle is, where the objection is. Right. And take yeah. them down. And some people, they just lack that critical thought. So I'm trying to get them to have that forward thought. And so for me, those no oriented questions really help kind of get me to them to the think that forward motion it, it does very much and that you know that's the implementation that we were just talking about forward mm. motion is about implementation you know so what's what, what's it gonna it can be what's it gonna take to get this deal done yes. or you can flip it and you say what's standing in the way yeah getting the deal done those are yes. two vastly different thought processes yes absolutely well and we, we spend a lot of time uh working on problems that don't exist in deals a lot of the time so, <laughs> right and yeah. so i mean i really feel that because you know you figure out wait a sec that wasn't even the problem it turned out that randy didn't like the smell of my cologne and i was never getting this thing done anyway like it could be have you seen any especially with black swan because you're consulting so many businesses what would you say is the most ironic or just crazy small detail that you just thought this deal didn't get done over the maybe lack of better words the stupidest smallest oversight have you seen anything that just literally made you laugh yeah, it's an interesting question, um, you know, because, you know, the, you're asking me about what caused the deal not to get done. It didn't happen. Mm. Uh, the nice thing about being in hostage negotiation and, and learning about, you know, the real human dynamics on both sides is every hostage negotiation that I was ever in, we'd ultimately find out everything that happened on the other side. You know, you mm. got witnesses, you got follow yep. on, you yep. got uh, intelligence agencies giving us intel. And that's when we really got a 360 degree view of human nature decision making mm. and you know uh, unfortunately in the business deals we kind of don't not only do we not have that these days but actually we're much quicker to walk away from deals like you know the elf mm. half thing that i was talking about before a half shows up for us mm. you know if, if you do business with a half you're taking at least a 50 percent cut in pay right off the bat yeah, yeah. um because it's going to take you twice as long to get everything done Yes, huge. That double your time for the same huge. amount of pay. That's a 50% cut in pay. 100%. And so we have a tendency to walk away from deals real early on when there's just a, when there's a bad match. Yes. Yes. 
FBI hostage negotiator. I mean, technically, I mean, you're you're a purebred cop. I mean, deep down, you still got that that blood flowing through you. So I always yeah. wonder because you know I got some cop friends. I would say, I'm glade guys, blue. Yeah, when you guys pull up to go for dinner, are you running plates outside, making sure what's going on inside? <laughs> you know, you you feel like you sit out, or you you're you in an interrogation that you didn't know you were in. Like, but jokes aside, if how do you how did you find the transition going from being an FBI hostage negotiator into now? being an entrepreneur running a business. And I know your son, Jason is partners or my son, Brandon, Brandon, sorry, Brandon. Yeah. And so you guys are running the black Swan group together. What was some of the challenges that you had? And then what were some of the things that you thought, geez, this is a breeze. Well, you know, the two biggest things, um, coming out of the government, government into private public sector to private sector, huge, you know, and, and for me, uh, and people in the public sector, look at the private sector and think they understand it and vice versa. That is not the case. <laughs> yes. People in the public sector are not really good at, at just, you know, understanding that you, you got to get paid. Yeah. Mm. You're, you're in, you're in sales almost all the time. Mm. And, you know, cause you, you got to keep the lights on. You got other yes. people, you got to, you got to look out for. Yes. Like when I was an FBI hostage negotiator, I didn't have to worry about, uh, making sure that we made enough money so that everybody on my team got paid, you know, the secretaries, yes. the schedulers, the tremendous amount of back office people that are involved in government operations, you know, the government was taking care of the pay on that and, and loosely looking at the return on investment. Mm. Um, and so, you know, getting it. so they didn't ask it for money. And for me personally, mm. in a public sector, that always kind of felt dirty mm, and huge. Now it had, I had to learn for it not to be anything to be ashamed of. Like we got to get paid. Mm. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, it's going to cost me money to do this. Uh, it's going to cost me time. Like, and here's the price and we're going to stick to the price. Mm. So getting really comfortable with that. And which is why I think, uh, like there ain't a general out there, high level government officials do not make it in a private sector. They all come mm. out with very big fanfare. They used to having a big staff around them. They're, yeah. you know, they, they'll, they'll negotiate for personnel, but they'll never negotiate for money. Like, you know, pick a big name, uh, military general made a very big splash and yeah. they ain't one of them out there successfully running a consulting company for more than a year or so. So, you know, asking for money is, is hard. Now the next thing, uh, which might be harder, um, the degree of indictable level lying. Ooh, that in, ooh. is engaged in a private in a private sector now for two vastly different reasons. Chris, can you break that down into layman's terms? That sounded a little fan. Like, can you break that down into that? Uh, break that down. What you just said a little, little further. I'm, I want to well, wrap my head around that just for our listeners because that what you said there that's powerful. Yeah. Well, uh, so if you lie during a, an investigation, it's actually a crime. In yeah, and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a yeah. uh, U.S. Code 18001, lying to the FBI. Yeah, you, you lie to me. Yes. You've committed a crime. Yes. Now, if, if you're lying to me, you're probably lying to me in order to cover up another crime that you've committed. <laughs> yes. So th these are these are uh, lies coming from a bad place. Now, in a private sector. Yes. People are lying out of defensiveness because they don't know they don't know how to break bad news. They don't know how to tell the truth. They're Ooh. you know they got a problem. They're having trouble solving. Mm. And so really, the 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 largely acceptable level of lying, it's not coming from a malicious place. Mm. It's defensive in nature. Mm. 
Mm. They're trying to solve a problem they haven't solved yet, or they're backed into a corner mm. in a particular business deal. And so, you know, deception by omission or deception by the literal truth mm. is is rampant, mm. not for you know malicious reasons, but out of defensiveness. Uh, you know, I was at, we we're actually talking to a company in um, in Western Europe uh, a couple of months ago, mm. and we went through an exercise: the sixty seconds so she dies. I need a car in sixty seconds so she dies. Exercise that we put everybody through mm. is, and we tell people up front like you can't give the bad guy a car. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's four things you can't do. One of the things you can't do is give him a car. So right away, mm. the bad guy says, "I need a car in sixty seconds so she dies." Mm. And a real common response is, all right, so it's going to take me longer in 60 seconds. Mm. You know, let, let me work on that. Mm. Well, that's a lie. Yes, yes, yes. But the person, you know, and we, and we ask people like, all right, so are you ever going to give up a car? And they're mm. like, well, no. So then when you said you need more time, that's a lie, right? Mm. So, And that's an example. Like somebody gets back to the corner. They don't know how to tell the truth. Mm. They don't know how, how to, without causing a relationship to be over, they feel they're at a point that they can't get over. Um, mm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a book called Negotiate Auctions out there written by one of my Harvard colleagues. Ooh. And there's a story of a company that's holding an auction mm. um, for whatever they were auctioning off. You know, they invited bidders in. Mm. They kept all the bidders separate. You know, they kept them in different rooms and different places. Mm. And as it turned out, only one bidder showed up. Mm. So uh, a, an executive from the company that's holding the auction has a personal relationship with the executive from the bidding company. Mm. And because of the personal relationship, the bidder says, look, you got you got to you got to tell me where where where, where we are. You got to give me some context here. I got to know what's going on. Mm. This is important to me. Mm. And so the company holding the auction says, well, I can tell you this. You're the low bidder. <laughs> now that was literally true yeah wow and wow. massively deceptive wow absolutely and those because the auctioning company they feel backed into a corner they're like this is a disaster i help you know i i i convinced my bosses to hold an auction we got one better if this blows up i'm gonna lose my job mm. like it's somebody who doesn't know how to tell the truth out of defensiveness, mm. this is you know, mm. it, it, in in fact, you know, has a very negative impact on the other side. Mm. But where where was the guy on 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 the one side go? You know, well, you're the low bidder. <laughs> but you know, that's what, Chris, the kind what, of deception what, that that occurs in the private sector constantly. To interject though, if you think okay, this person's lying because they're being defensive. If you really rewind that back though, it's like okay, why are they being defensive? Then you start going down the track record all the way deep into their childhood and you figure out this person, you know, maybe wasn't taught. Like, think about the school system. They don't teach you any of this stuff. I mean, this stuff is gold, right? The average adult doesn't even know how revolving credit works on their credit card if you really break it down for them, right? So what would you say to people that, you know, if you, like, for example, if you walked into a classroom full of, because I, and we'll get to the professor, I'll call you Professor Voss because I know there's a whole joke behind that. But <laughs> if you walk into a classroom of grade eights, and they're these they're in grade eight and they say hi professor voss explain to us what you do for a living how would you unpack that for them so that they could understand that in kind of bite-sized way you know what i mean yeah well i'd start by saying uh i teach great collaboration 
Mm. You know, I, 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 I teach, you know, the value of long-term relationships through collaboration, you know, mm. and great, great communication skills that work for you that satisfy the two aspects of you are, you know, a great negotiation skill. If it makes the missionary in you satisfied and the mercenary in you satisfied, you know, the black mm. swan method, tactical empathy mm. is the best community negotiation strategy out there, period. It works better than anything else. It's not perfect. It just works better than anything mm. else. Cross the board, best chance of success, tactical empathy, nothing comes close. So the mercenary in you wants it because it works. Do you ever now, get any colleagues? Sorry. Do you ever get any colleagues that kind of razzle you about this book saying, hey, Chris, you're making our job a little harder? In terms of uh, interrogation, because this stuff, I no. mean, you look at it, if, a, yeah. if the average police officer walks up and says, hey, you know, it's like, hey, it seems like you got a reason for saying that. Like, sorry, it's just crazy to me. Yeah, no, no, no. Good. Well, good communication. Like if you got if you got a problem with the communication method, it's more about why you're using it as opposed mm. to what you're, you know, what are your motivations? Like, you know, a scalpel in one person's hand saves a life in another person's hand. It's a murder weapon. Mm. Oh, so, so true. Tactical empathy also is great for relationships. Mm. I mean, feeling understood, feeling heard. Mm. The recipient of that feels cared for. Mm. They feel compassion. Mm. It's a compassionate thing to do. You don't necessarily have to have compassion for them. Mm. And it turns out to be a very compassionate thing to do. Some very fine lines here. Mm. And so the person, it satisfies the missionary in you because it's actually good for them to make mm. them feel understood. Mm. Absolutely. You go back to the word. I mean, this is such a big word is ashamed and then asking for money in your transition going from private to public, public to private. It, it's, I mean, this is anybody who's getting into business. I mean, a lot of people, when they hear that first no come down the drain, it just destroys them. And, yeah. you know, if you're in business, you're going to be hearing some no's, right? And yeah. that's just the reality of it. Or rejections. Now, let, you know, let, 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 let's let's adjust. Let's call, because uh, no doesn't always re re equate to rejection. You get a lot of rejections. True. Yes, lots of rejection. What would you say? And I always say, like, if you don't want to ask, sometimes you got to ask. And you said, look, I got no problem asking for money. But a lot of people do. How did you go from that kind of, hey, I, I got everything paid for because I got the FBI to now, hey, wait a sec, you know, closed mouths don't get fed, so to speak. Yeah. How did you really kind of cross over into your brain to say, I don't need to feel ashamed. I, I got bills to pay here. We need to make money. Yeah, well, you know, we, we in the early days, we're out giving a lot of free negotiation training samples. Mm, yeah. You know, it, uh, and, and that was all we were doing and assuming that, you know, they'd see how powerful this was. I mean, mm. I, I remember I remember giving a training session in a, in a company to a bunch of other people and the people we gave the session to walked us upstairs to their executives mm. and said this stuff is we gotta have more of this mm. and we never got anything out we did it for free yeah never got never never got paid so so then as we continue to do some of that stuff for free then i thought all right so there are all kinds of compensation we can't not get paid mm. so we started taking email addresses and signing people up for a free newsletter, which mm. we still have to this day. We've got a complimentary newsletter called mm. The Edge. You know, mm. you, you can go on our website, Black Swan LTD to subscribe. It's free, yes. Yes. it's concise, it's actionable. Yes. But then I thought, okay, so how, how do we make sure we get 
some form of compensation. And so we started there. Mm. And then, then I got to the point where when we, when we really started quantifying the value of this, like I've, I've had clients tell me now that we could never pay you what this has been worth. I got a, I got a client last year mm. said made an $800,000 difference in his annual profit based mm. on a black swan method. Mm. And he said, I can, I can never pay you that, but we, that's not his profit. That was the increase, mm. the Delta, the increase was $800,000. Mm. So when, when we, when we firmly grasp that whatever they paid us, it was going to be a bargain. Mm. then we then understood the emotionally intelligent way to pitch it. Mm. And, you know, you asked me what it costs to come to one of my training sessions. I'm going to say a lot, mm. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when people call and ask us, what's it cost to hire us? We say a lot more mm. than you've ever spent mm. because we know that our price tag is still a fraction of what it's worth if they implement and so coming to grips was satisfying that your product is worth it. Mm. That if you deliver fully on what you promised, and there's a critical issue there, mm. is your product worth it? Mm. Then your product is a bargain. If, mm. As long as you're not selling snake oil, and we are not selling snake oil. You know, we, mm. I, we got another client made an $8 million difference in one transaction. Wow. And on, on a on a small level, let's say you you don't have you don't have twelve million dollar deals that could go either for four or twelve. Mm. Let's say on on a regular basis, what are your costs mm. on a daily basis of being a poor negotiator? You know how how much just switching from yes to no. I can promise. Yes. I can promise yes. an immediate twenty three percent increase in your effectiveness. Yes. So whatever you're making for a living. Mm. What would giving yourself an instantaneous 23% raise do for your life? Stuff like that. Understanding mm. the real value of tactical empathy and the application of the Black Swan method. Mm. What would you say is the number one? I, I mean, everything you're talking about, business 101, too, is what problem are you solving for people? And usually right. the bigger the problem, the more you can make, right? What is the single problem that Black Swan solves for companies if you could get it down into one problem aka you know what's that brand story what's that brand message yeah the cost of miscommunication Ooh. is yes. um and the cost of wasted time mm. you know it's not a sin to not get the deal it's a sin to take a long time to not get the deal mm. like how much of your time do you get back if we could teach you right away to figure out i could i could teach you in a half an hour to figure out how to fix I get it's going to take me more than a half an hour to teach you this mm. but in a half an hour with an, a client you're going to figure out whether or not you're never going to get the deal mm. or whether or not it's going to take you a long time to get a bad deal mm. <laughs> and then 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 move on instead of yes ch chasing a deal that is either going to be bad or you're never going to get for six eight ten months Ooh. What do you think? I mean, you're all over the internet. Holy moly. I mean, you you know, digital marketing, branding, like you leave no stone unturned. So if we were to go back to like, I don't know, pre-Facebook days, 1990, you know, three or something like that. I mean, you've seen so much in the course of your life and so much transition and change both personal, you know, professionally. 
what has the internet and kind of the ecosystem of getting your message out in terms of value and education meant not only for yourself as Chris Voss and sharing your story and expertise, but also Black Swan? How much has that played a role in that in that journey? Yeah, I think it's been fantastic because, mm. you know, it's it's an acceleration across the board. Like mm. we, we got when I first was coming out of the FBI, I, I had a guy that was mailing out mm. a monthly newsletter, <laughs> yeah, hard copy. Yeah. Yeah. And he was making a good living yeah. doing it. It was great information. You know, as soon as as soon as we moved into di digital, now we're doing the same thing once a week and we don't got to mail it. It's come mm. on the Internet. So there's there's an acceleration. I heard somebody, Mark Andreessen, on um, uh, Lex Friedman podcast recently mm. was talking about how all the new media is just an acceleration of the old media. They, mm. They've taken the, the most previous version of the media and they just made it more effective, more efficient. And it mm. was, and I never thought about that till I laid it out like that. Like Chat GPT mm. is no different than Google search. Mm. It's just you do a Google search now, you got 10, 11, 12, 15 websites to look at. Mm. Chat GPT looks at them for you and gives you the information back on. So mm. it's just an acceleration of Google search. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's all, it's all simply an acceleration of what we've already known. People are doing a lot of business in uh, lead generation in the DMs on social media. And I'm sure, you know, companies and whatnot. In your opinion, if you're trying to nurture a lead through DM, are you trying to get that person on the phone? How, or are you are you keeping it in the DMs? Like, do you see a lot of this in some senses where you're, you're saying to people, you know, maybe, maybe don't try to sell in the DMs, you know, try to get them on the phone. Like, if we start applying this, because it's really interesting, you know, people DM all the time. And I love what you said, because one of the questions I can't stand and I opened up by asking you and I just want to see if you bite on it, but you didn't, is how are you? Oh, I hate that. I, I mean, the average person does not give a shit how I'm doing. And I did a whole yeah. post on how are you and the psychology. But I but I love what you said. And I watched the thing and you were explaining it. And I said, what's the answer? And you said, it seems like you got a place you want to start, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and I've used that before. And it takes the whole person's demeanor and just... They wash out and it's like either they just completely crap their pants or they're like, actually, I do got a place I want to start. And you just bypass all the BS. Right. What would you say for never split the difference in these tactics? Kind of imply kind of implementing them through, you know, social and DMs. Do we want to just, hey, get them on the phone? Let's talk to them. Or do you say, hey, you know what? We can marinate these tactics, you know, in some good old fashioned DMs. Yeah, well, you know, first of all, we like we like all forms, you know, DMs, emails, mm. phone calls. Mm. Look at them as complimentary. Don't try to live exclusively in one. Mm. And then mm. don't be lazy about it. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to get a long message on LinkedIn or, you know, and in in a, maybe even a text. You know, it's got 15 points. in. I mean, come <laughs> on. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to read that. Yeah. You know, uh, don't a lot of people are doing it because they're lazy. Mm. You know, they're gonna they're gonna construct this long sales pitch, mm. and they're gonna copy and paste it into a thousand mm. people. There's no distinguishing. It's like uh, it's like trying to play chess and mm. put in all your moves for the entire game into one communication. Mm. You know, if you start to look at this as complementary. Mm. And the, the funny thing about it is you don't, so many people send long messages that they don't, they hate reading. Mm. 
you know, yes. which, which side of this baby are you on? Mm. And people send stuff out that they hate to read. Of course. So if you if you try and if you're being lazy, mm. then then you run into trouble with DMs and emails. Yes. But if you take the time and allow it to be complimentary, let it move forward or one move at a time, mm. you're gonna find you want you get to where you want to go much quicker. It, you know, you find people really stay behind the. Sometimes they stay behind that, though. You know, for example, I, I think we live in this age where we have technology. Where I, I, even when I wanted to have you as a guest on the show, and this has kind of been an interesting journey. You're a hard guy to get, but I, I don't know what happened. I think I kind of screwed up midway because you actually did respond, and it's like I didn't respond. I went back in the message. I'm like, holy crap! He already responded like six months ago. And then, anyways, we got it done. But I flipped the camera around and said, Chris. Listen, man, this is right. Like, I really like, because I want you to see my tonality. I want you to see my energy. And I want you to see if I'm just some crazy person or not. And so I think that as much emotion as you can put in is huge. But if we go down the chain of command in terms of DMs and kind of staying on that, that let's just say digital forefront, what would you say if we got somebody who is up here, you know, there's levels to the game, right? And then you got somebody that's down here and they're saying, look, I want to really get this person that's up here. There's a there's a value there's a value gap here, but I still think that this person they need something. Even you yourself, you you need resources. I don't think you'll ever say no to somebody who could maybe give you a great resource or something. How do we figure out what that person needs? Is there is there little tactics that we can use? I call it working the perimeter. So if I'm not going to talk to Chris directly, I want to figure out who the heck his son is. I want to figure out. What's going on? Who cuts his hair? He likes a steakhouse. I mean, I'm going to come and work it like a, like a basketball court. And I want to work the perimeter. Is there any tactics that you think, especially for people listening saying, Hey, I'm starting out. Chris, how can I, how can I show? I want to give value when I don't really know. By giving value. Ah, ah. Yes. You know, I mean, start up by, start up by giving value, you know, like, because otherwise you're, you're reaching out to me. You're, you're reaching out to me with your hand out. They hire me. Mm. Hey, let me tell you something. Ooh. You know, you're reaching out to me with uh with your hand out. I mean, or you're gonna you're gonna talk to me about the information you may have f- figured out about me personally, and then you're gonna reach your hand out. Mm. You know, de- deliver something first, deliver some insight. De- de- deliver not an idea. There's a big difference between an idea and an insight. Huge. You know, ideas are dime a dozen. You know, I heard him say on Shark Tank one time, maybe a great idea might be worth $20. You know, $20 might get you breakfast. Mm. You know, $20 doesn't take you far. Mm. Now, there's a difference between an idea and an insight. Show me you got insight into a problem that I'm struggling with. Mm. Show me you got insight into something that's valuable to me. I mean, mm. stop trying to figure out where my kids went to school or where I went mm. to school or where I grew up. Mm. Talk about, you know, sharing insight with me. Or, mm. or you know, a plan. There's, there's a really interesting book called by Ryan Holiday called Conspiracy. Ooh, egos the end. There was um, mm. uh, Peter Thiel is looking to take down one of those. Uh, he's got a grudge against Gawker. Mm. And a number of years ago, there was a hundred million dollar uh, lawsuit by Hulk Hogan against Gawker mm. over an illegally obtained se- sex tape that was humiliating mm. to him. He was trapped. He was he he, he had no idea he was being filmed. Mm. I mean, everything bad about this possible, and, and it bankrupted Gawker. Mm. Well, Thiel, uh, as per the book Conspiracy, or Thiel, and f- forgive me uh, for if I mispronounce his name, 
He funded that because he got approached by a young man. I assume it was a man. They referred to him in the book as Mr. X, as yet unidentified. Wow. And Mr. X showed up and did what's called a briefcase interview. Mm. He said, look, I, I know uh, you have this issue with Gawker. Uh, I know you, you think they're uh, unscrupulous mm. and unethical. And consequently, because of the harm they're doing to you and other people, mm. you want to make them pay. So here's the plan. And he laid out something that's called a briefcase interview, pulled out his briefcase, said, here's, here's the plan of how you do it. Here's the budget of how it gets done. Here's how you cross the battlefield to get to the objective that you want. Mm. Teal hired him on the spot mm. because he showed up with a plan to solve a problem. Mm. He, he didn't say, I got a great idea. He said, here's a plan to solve the problem that you have. Mm. And the mere fact, you know, Warren Buffett says an idiot with a plan beats a genius with a great idea. <laughs> Show up with a plan that shows some acumen, some insight, some mm. some some appreciation for the landscape to be crossed. Mm. Now you're making a difference, and you get anybody to listen to you. Mm. You know this guy. This guy uh, Teal didn't even know who this guy was prior to the meeting. Mm. He, mm. he didn't show up and say, "Hey, uh, hire me, and I'll figure something out." Mm. He said, "No, here's here's," and he didn't charge him for it either. Mm. You, you give me a consulting fee, you know, put me on retainer and I'll figure it out. He showed up at the plan. Mm. And so when you show up with an awareness of what somebody's dealing with and some inkling of how to deal with it, now you're valuable. Huge. Everybody, please listen to that. Chris, what's your, what's your, uh, why do you like Oprah Winfrey? What's, what's the, what, <laughs> what is, what is Oprah doing for you? What, she's what probably is, one of the world's, if she's not the world's greatest negotiator, she, she's close to being it. Like, oh. th think think about how far has Oprah Winfrey gone on her? Where did she start and where is she? Mm. Like, first of all, there aren't that many billionaires at her level mm. at all. No, then how many no. of them are black females yes. at all? Yeah. And how many of them started in the impoverished circumstances that she started in? I mean, mm. think about the distance that she's covered. No mm. family ties, no family money. You know, Donald Trump started his business career with money as the old man gave him. His father was an extremely successful real estate developer yep. um, in uh, in New York City. Mm. And he staked Donald. You know, nobody staked Oprah. Mm. Um, so think about how far she's got. Now think about how many people do you know that are mad at Oprah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nobody. Yeah. Like every now and then something, uh, somebody might get into a tiff that kind of, kind of maybe sort of. Mm. Uh, people become aware of, and but it, it's not lasting. I mean, she, Oprah's not feuding with anybody. There ain't, there ain't no Twitter wars with Oprah. Mm. You know, her focus on relationship. And, and then uh, layer on top of that, she's dealt with some of the most difficult personalities on planet Earth. I mean, in the entertainment industry, when she built the Oprah show, mm. think of the difficult personalities that, mm. that were revolving doors mm. in her talk show. Mm. And it wasn't easy getting those people in there. Mm. You know, you say, ah, well, she was Oprah. She she wasn't always Oprah. You know, at one point in time, she was a she was a, a, a black female from Chicago. Didn't have mm -hmm. a penny to her name. Mm -hmm. So, think think about the ground that she's covered and the and the premium on relationships mm. and how well regarded she is globally. To me, that's somebody to study and learn from. Huge, huge. Yeah, no, Oprah Oprah's incredible.
I see this book behind you. Full fee agent. Oh yeah. my gosh. Talk to me about that, Chris. Tell me yes. what it's about. Oh co authored co authored with Steve Schull, who was coaching real residential real estate agents in LA yep. successfully for yep. a long time. You know, Steve was Steve was, you know, the fact locket logic and reason, fine and grind, hard work kind of guy, made a lot of money in a lot mm -hmm. of ways and was helping people. Steve read never split the difference and said, I've been doing this wrong. You know, the key to this is emotional intelligence. We've been, we're working too hard. We're mm. making this harder than it is with fact, logic, and reason. Mm. Steve reaches out to my son, Brandon. Brandon says, look, you got to talk to this guy. We've got to collaborate. Mm. Jointly, we start coaching residential real estate agents in uh, the LA area. Wow. And they're changing their lives. Mm. You know, they're, they're working, they're working 20% as much, making the same amount of money. Yes. They they get and and they get evenings and weekends off, mm. you know, instead of being twenty four seven and and anxious, and getting full fee. Sometimes getting more than full fee, mm. you know, get getting paid full fee. And so we did it successfully for so long that uh, we said, look, we got to we got to put this in a book. And it came out last November. And people that follow the patterns as prescribed are are having better lives and making more money the the secondary benefit is they're making more money the principal benefit is they're happy mm. Mm. professor chris voss i'm telling you man I, I i don't know if you're the mad professor you're doing all kinds of stuff you're you're, you're shifting lanes going back and forth i mean the way your your mind works is 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 crazy i just want to ask you a couple last questions but the first thing i want to know is how the heck do you calibrate your day? How do you protect your energy? How are you time blocking? What means the most for you? Is there anything weird about you that we don't know? I mean, I know you like the steak and stuff, but is, is there any little quirks about Chris Voss that uh, that you'd like to share with us today? No, some, some sort of gratitude exercise mm. every morning is critical. Mm. Um, you, you know, your, your, your default mindset is survival, which is largely negative. Mm -hmm. You need you need uh, spiritual hygiene. Uh, you need emotional yes. hygiene daily, yes. the same way you need yes. oral hygiene. Yes. So, yes. because otherwise you you fall back into the default survival mode. Success mode and survival mode are not the same thing. Mm. So you get you got to be intentional about uh, positive attitude, about being optimistic. You know, about living uh, in the game, not in the gap. I mean, there's there's mm. and it's a constant battle for everybody out there. There isn't mm. anybody that's not working at this all the time. Mm. And mm. first thing in the morning is is where you start. You know, you're setting up your day. And I'm both doing a little more, uh, making my gratitude exercise every morning, mm. writing down things I'm grateful for, and simultaneously trying to get my day started with paying attention to myself physically, physical mm. health, physical maintenance to keep your energy level and your mental energy going throughout the course of the day so the cliche stuff be grateful intentional about being grateful take care of yourself physically you know my morning this morning started last night mm. get a good night's sleep you know mm. you find a super successful people are doing the cliche things <laughs> yeah yeah it's true if you scan Chris Voss's Instagram at the FBI negotiator, he's also taking his honey bunny up on helicopter rides on the Grand Canyon. I mean, he's doing some exponential, experiential type uh, type things. Chris, I have a statement here. 
though people do business with those they like know and trust do we agree with that like know and trust that, that's true but there's a sequencing here okay um, i don't do business with friends i become friends with people i do business with mm. the sequence is if i can't if i'm doing business with you and we can't become friends then we shouldn't be doing business together Mm. Now, I've lost a lot of friendships from people mm. that I knew from previous lives, mm -hmm. you know, FBI hostage negotiators. Mm -hmm. Every time that my my relationship with someone was a friendship first, mm. I've ended up losing a friendship. I am mm. adamantly determined that I have to like, trust, and become friends with people I do business with. And if I can't, it make that evolution, then I shouldn't be doing business with them. But it's it's a very important sequencing. I don't do business with friends. We're even at the point, even though the company was founded by myself and my son, Brandon, Brandon is actually mm. in a process of spinning out and starting his own business, mm. affiliated, but separate from us. Mm. Like your family and your friends are in probably separate relationships from your business your business colleagues should become friends, if not feel like family, mm. or you pick the wrong business colleague. Ooh, I like that. And if you had to pick being liked versus known, you had to hedge your bet on one, which one matters more, being liked or being known? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into infamy. <laughs> you know, okay. what, what people are, it would be really easy for me to start throwing stuff out there in social media that mm. would would give me a tremendous amount of followers mm. and a tremendous amount of enemies simultaneously mm. and i could make a good living for a while mm. off the increase in followers and ultimately mm. the enemies would eat you know at least emotionally eat me alive so you know i'm i'm not trying to be infamous um Ooh. I'm, I'm i'm trying to appeal to human beings humanity that's so well thought out you thought about that i like that that's this is, i hope everybody listened to what he said there chris is playing the long 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 extra long game play along chris uh last question i like to ask my guests and it is sincere i really try to make conversation with my guests friends and really try to unpack their brains and make them feel like they're we're talking human to human but my last question is what can i do for you and of course we're going to plug all your books and newsletters and all that but what can i sincerely do for you our whole show's mandate is to really encourage people to live their full selves on purpose personally and professionally and i mean you, you drop so much gems but anything i can do for you no man you're doing it i mean you, you got you're you're spreading uh, how to help help people you're helping me spread how to help people live better lives mm. and that in and of itself is is phenomenal appreciate you chris i gotta get you on your way any last uh little uh mementos you want to leave us with other than that i am indebted to you my man i i really appreciate you and i wish you nothing but the best i'm sure i'll be in contact with you more though yeah yeah just you know again the fireside thing that we're doing now i'm really excited mm. about that you know mm. it's a it's an app it's a subscription service okay you know, you get, you're going to get a year's worth of training mm. um, and interactive with me and my entire team. I mean, I think it, it fills a great gap after you've read the book and taken a master class and, you know, got, got all the, the little things you can mm. when you're really looking to move yourself forward. The fireside thing is something I'm really excited about. 
And we, by the way, when I read this book, so as a stocking stuffer for our clients that we have, I give them some of our merch, but I bought 150 of these. So each one of these always goes into if we have somebody come on the team or I, or I meet a new client, this book is, it's, inc it's absolutely incredible. Like I have the little cheat sheet. I got a notes app. I got a digital, like it's, I, I cannot thank you enough. It's, it's truly, Thanks, it's gotta be in my top 10 books of all time. At least, even if you don't like to freaking read, just, just read the book. <laughs> Sorry. You. You it's well written. We're so glad you enjoyed this episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Please don't forget to smash that five-star review as Team Holtz will love you for it. Also, say hi to Ryan anywhere on social media using the handle at Ryan Holtz one That's R-Y-A-N-H-O-L-T-Z, the number one. And if you or your business is looking to expand your brand, book a brand jam with Ryan using the link in the show notes.